Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast fans, you didn't think you were going to get off that easy, did you? It's me, it's me, it's that R to the B to the V. Rick Picker here, and I would like to invite everyone to check out my personally owned and operated consulting firm, Herd Marketing. In today's business landscape, it's not just about being present. It's about being effective and efficient. Marketing management takes effort and know-how. Put yourself in a position to succeed and contact Herd Marketing today. Find us on Facebook or give us a call at 513-227-6504. Oh yeah, how could I forget? We are currently running a special promo for the Hitting the Marks listeners. When new clients use the promo code HTMADS, that is H-T-M-A-D-S, Herd Marketing is going to go ahead and donate $100 to this awesome podcast. Be present, be effective, be efficient, be heard. Find us on Facebook or call 513-227-6504. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by thegorillaposition.com and presented by Hami Media. On today's very special Hitting the Lion Marks, I'm joined alongside Paul and Sam from the King of Pro Wrestling Podcast. Find them on Twitter at KOPW72. Gentlemen, welcome inside the Locker Room Studios. Thank you very much for having us. Uh, it's, uh, we're thrilled, man. So so hey. this is a, an, a continuation of the uh, Podcasters Row at StarCast. We're trying to get all the shows to come on our show. Then we'll come on and do your show, or you can use this recording, whatever you want to do. But today, since you are the kings of pro wrestling, we're going to talk <laughs> nothing but New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. I was listening to your show this morning, and it's fantastic. Finally, a podcast that covers New Japan that's not ours and other New Japan nerds I can talk to. I love it. <laughs> right on man right on yeah you know it's uh for us we're thrilled to be able to do it and honestly it was paul's idea i i was doing another podcast still am um it's, it's actually about quantum leap so it's as far away from wrestling as you can get uh wow but uh yeah uh but he just threw the idea at me and you know because he was like you're already doing this one why don't we do one and i thought well all right we'll give it a shot and uh i can safely say like two months in uh, it's been a blast and, and being able to talk about New Japan has, uh, you know, forced me in a good way to watch it even more than I already was. Um, like, I'll be honest, I, I was definitely always a fan, but I don't know if I would have watched every single one of the best of the Super Junior shows, you know. Um, and, and if I did, I would have definitely just only watched tournament matches. But as a result of the podcast for like the live shows, I, you know, I'm watching the, the tag matches and, and everything as well. Now, I guess we should specify, um, and, and I'm sorry, I forget which is which. One of you is in Chicago, and the other one is in, just outside of Philly. Is that right? Well, I'm in I'm in Pennsylvania, but I'm about I'm in the northeast part of uh, I'm from Scranton, which is about two hours away from Philly. Like where they shot so, the freaking office. Well, that's where it's based. Yes, that's what she said. So, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, and, then, and Sam's I'm our Chicago. Chicago resident. Yeah. Well, I, 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 of course, am in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. My podcast partner uh, lives just outside of Ohio. So we've, we've got about the same kind of distance going on. How did you guys uh, come across each other? How did you meet one another? 
You want to take this, Sam? Sure, why not? Uh, so I moved around a lot when I was a kid, and um, we had been living in North Carolina uh, for about five, six years, and then moved north up to Pennsylvania. And uh, we were actually right outside of Scranton um, for a little bit, and then moved closer into Scranton. But during that time, uh, I got a job at the Steamtown Mall, which is also name-checked in the office. <laughs> and I was working at a uh, Suncoast Motion Picture Co. I worked it uh, on cue. Oh, nice. Um, and then went to a party that a coworker invited me to. And uh, Paul and I just clicked like right away. Uh, he was at the party, and uh, we started talking about music. Uh, we had both just recently seen the um, Oasis uh, behind the music on VH1. And so we bonded over that. We went to a concert together shortly after in Philadelphia. And uh, between that and our love of pro wrestling, we were, we were pretty inseparable there for a couple of years uh, before I uprooted again and ended up moving out to um, Indianapolis and then eventually wound up here in Chicago. Uh, but we stayed in touch. And then a couple of years ago, we hadn't seen each other in probably about 10 years. And a couple of years ago, um, he came out to Chicago. We went to a couple concerts, went to a Cubs game, and uh, we just started this tradition where pretty much every Monday night when we were watching Raw, we would start texting one another. And so we were always talking about wrestling. Um, and, you know, the past year in particular is talking more and more about New Japan. Um, you know, he got New Japan World. I had New Japan World. So we started talking about all the big shows. And, uh, again, that just kind of led us into doing the podcast. That's yeah. awesome. You guys, are, you guys are only about nine episodes in. Is that right? Uh, eight, I believe, right? Well, we also had a couple. We have eight main episodes, plus we had a couple little bonus episodes. Like um, when we covered WrestleMania weekend, we we made that a bonus episode. So anybody that's not into it didn't have to listen as part of the regular show. And we had some interview episodes. But yeah, I think we're eight episodes in, Sam. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. And I had because um, I had interviewed uh, Pat Laprod, who was. Uh, one of the producers for the Andre the Giant documentary, so we put that in as a special episode, and then um, the women's wrestling stuff where I saw Rise and Shimmer Weekend and interviewed uh, Shotzi Blackheart. We did a, a bonus episode for that. Uh, so we we're really our total episode count is around actually like twelve or thirteen, um, but just New Japan like regular episodes. Yeah, we're on episode eight, nine will come out later this week after the uh, uh, Super Juniors finals. Um, how often do you guys drop episodes? Do you try to do it weekly or is it like just around whatever's going on? Because I mean, sometimes, you know, New Japan will go two, three weeks without anything really going on. Yeah, we definitely try to keep to a weekly schedule. Um, it, it's been interesting for us because it's given us the opportunity to talk uh, more in depth about certain things. Like when there was the break between, um, uh, uh, oh God, what was the last show? The Tentaku. last big show. Yeah, yeah the Dantaku shows. Um, between the Dantaku shows and Best of the Super Juniors starting up, they had that Lionsgate project show. So we were able to talk a little bit more in depth about Lionsgate stuff, which was a lot of fun, uh, some of the news and notes. and um, But we're trying to keep to a weekly schedule. We're pushing it out just a little bit this week because we wanted to be able to cover like all of the rest of the Best of the Super Juniors and the finals in one show instead of, you know, covering up to those final two shows because normally we would record on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, we try to drop on Sundays, but it, it just would have been silly in my opinion to do that and then not, you know, then save those last two shows for a week after they'd aired and everything. Cause we try to, we, we try to be kind of timely when we can be as well. Plus that week after is going to be dominion. So we wanted to make a clean break right after the super junior. So the next episode, we didn't have an overlap. Do a preview yep. show and, and a recap well, we're gonna show preview, all kind of yeah, at the same time. Yeah, we're going to preview 
yeah, we'll preview Dominion on our next episode that also covers the Super Juniors. Uh, the, the next episode we can roll right into and talk at length about Dominion. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Dominion. Of course, you know, the, the big main event is going to be Okada versus Omega 4. Um, yeah. Wh- where are you guys at with this thing? I was sold that this was Kenny's time. And then I started learning about some of like uh, Kenta Kobashi's records of holding the GHC title for 735 days and how close Okada is. And I'm not so sold on it anymore. Um, I guess I'll go first. We when when this first came out, I was completely sold. As soon as he they, he said Kenny Omega's name, I'm like, okay, this is Kenny's time. Yep. And it would make sense, like a lot of reasons too. Like his contract supposedly is up in January. If they put the belt on him now, you know, the, the likelihood that he might resign. And it just seemed like you got Okada past the, the 11 win mark, the 11 defenses. It would make sense. Um, what actually scared me off, and I talked about it a couple episodes ago, was Kenny started tweeting about wanting to have Kota Ibushi ringside with them. Not necessarily, and he said he didn't want to get involved just for you know moral support. And the second I saw that, there's their opening if they want to split those two. Yeah. If they want to do a program, there it is, and you could. It's so easy; it writes itself because it it goes right back to when Kenny cost Ibushi the title at um after he won the Super J Cup. I'm sorry, the New Japan Cup. So that was my initial hesitation. But the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think Kenny's walking out with the belt. You know, all this time, we all kind of just anticipated that when the Golden Lovers split again, it was going to be Omega turning on Ibushi. I kind of like the idea of Ibushi being the one to turn on Omega. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think that, you know, Paul's right. The The seeds are definitely there. And just going back with the story and the way that, you know, it's one of the things that makes Kenny Omega so interesting to me as a talent is that he's so great at promoting stories and angles outside of whatever he might be doing, you know, within a, a particular promotion. Uh, and I think that, you know, you see that obviously with the Young Bucks, you see that now with Cody, um, you see that hell with, with Chris Jericho. Um, and it's and it's just so smart because I think um, the, the only way to really get people interested, I feel like, in those types of stories and invested in those types of stories. If you're not, unfortunately, a part of the big machine, you you know, you really do have to kind of spread yourself out there to attract as many people as possible, as opposed to just sticking to, you know, Ring of Honor or New Japan and and so on. So I think the fact that this story goes all the way back to like, you know, DDT days um, is really fascinating to me. And I think that I still think that Kenny's going to win. I still think that that Paul's right too, though. I think that we're going to see the the, the turn. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that Ibushi's going to, if not out and out, win the G1. Um, he'll do very well in it and set up a title match at some point between the two of them. I I, I also think that the other big reason why Omega walks out with the title at Dominion, especially with their new president, not that he's necessarily booking the matches, obviously, is that it makes so much sense for the G1 special in San Francisco f- to have Omega come in as champ. Uh, I, I think that, it, you know, it, it easily gets more American eyes on the product and, and more folks, North American eyes, uh, invested in the product and hopefully, you know, scooping up those tickets that they still have for sale. So originally, this is kind of how I had this thing playing out. I thought Omega wins it at uh, Dominion. And then we get the rematch between Okada and Omega at All In. That would be the main event of All In. Then I would have mm-hmm. I would have Ibushi win the G1, and you get Ibushi versus Omega in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Ibushi takes the title from Omega, and at that point, Omega debuts in the Royal Rumble. 
that's <laughs> unfortunately well because i mean at, at that point what's left for omega right i mean ibushi yeah, in the dome that's the match right yep i would think I agree. You know, it's funny, too, because I, I've definitely, um, you know, heard some other conversations about the fact that Omega Ibushi in the Dome doesn't need the title. Uh, and I do agree with that, actually. I, I, I think I that that match well. by itself. But, I mean... If but you, if you want it to be the main event, it needs the title. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, I think that there's a very, very good possibility that that'll be, you know, the, the main event. Uh, I, I think that it's just been set up too well for it not to be. Um, you know, I'm always interested to how everything else plays out as far as the Bullet Club goes and, and the elite, because, uh, you know, we've we've basically seen the split that Omega, I mean, Omega's not really even in the Bullet Club anymore. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't even... Uh, he he's just kind of on his own at this point. Um, with but you Ibushi. notice, you notice, he was really the only one of the guys who was not a member of the OGs who was walking around on Taku in the robe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think we even mentioned that on our show. We were talking about the the robes that uh, I want one. You know, and it jumped. Yeah, know, it jumped right, right <laughs> off at you. You know. Let's let's uh let's uh shift a little bit. Let's talk about somebody else that we know is going to be at Dominion, and that is Christopher Jericho. Um, uh, Chris Jericho, of course, taking on Tetsuya Naito for the uh, IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Jericho uh, on a quest to become the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time, (laughs) uh, to to hold two Intercontinental Championships. Uh, Where are you guys at with this one? Do you think there's any chance Jericho takes this title? Because I absolutely do. I think there's a chance. I, I, I still would say, if I had a bet on it, I would say Naito walks out with it. But you never know. And part of it is you never know what Jericho is going to do in the future. Jericho could go back and do WWE if he wanted. He may turn around and do more matches for New Japan. So it's so hard to predict what he's going to do. It makes it hard to predict how this match goes. But it wouldn't shock me in the least if they if he won the title. Do you, do you think Naito's got to find it before he can walk out with it? I mean, because I <laughs> we haven't seen the Intercontinental title since he won it. Yeah, yeah I, you know, it's it's so interesting to me that we're basically getting an extension of the same angle when he had the belt last time around, um, especially after failing to capture the IWGP Heavyweight Championship uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. I almost thought that maybe it, it, it would give him a little bit more respect for the intercontinental title. But I guess that's one of the great things about his character. It's like, why should he give a shit? I really um, thought, I really thought that this time around he was going to treasure that title. Like, like, yeah. like Hiromu does with Mr. Belto, you know, like he's, he's going to bring the thing to bed. He's going to lay it on a pillow. He's going to cherish this title. And it, this would be the, the big official babyface turn for LIJ. They're obviously baby faces. They're over like freaking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And instead, like you said, it's just been a continuation of what we had before. Yeah. I'm so I am a little surprised at that. Uh, I, I wonder if, and the other thing is too, with Jericho coming out and, and Jericho making it about the title, I, I started to think, well, maybe that'll be the thing that makes Naito be more interested in the title. But as yet, it hasn't. You know, even in the recent Sports Illustrated interview that he did, he was talking about how he didn't care about it. And it wasn't about the title to him that, you know, Jericho basically had to make it personal and, you know, bloody him up and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I think that 
I think that there is a very real possibility that Jericho wins. Uh, I, I don't know if that, you know, I, I'm not going to stake my, my house on it, but uh, I, I think that there is a possibility that he walks out with the title. And, and kind of like Paul's saying, it's more interesting to me what he does after that. It's like, does he does he show up at SummerSlam? And does he show up at SummerSlam with the title? You well, know, I mean, he, you could have him win it here and lose it at the Cow Palace. Well, that's very true. Very well, that's true. another question altogether, though. Will Chris Jericho be at the Cow Palace? Because there was a lot of talk. Yeah, that he I would love the conversation you there. guys had about that. Absolutely love that conversation. You brought up a lot of points I hadn't even thought of. Would Jericho even want to wrestle for another company in North America? I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective. Well, and then when you hear, too, that apparently he is not necessarily seriously, but he's entertaining offers from Impact. Well, that's the um, Don Callis connection. That's what that's right. all about. It's all it's all the yeah. Don Callis connection. Jericho and Callis go way back. Yeah, which I hadn't even thought about, honestly, uh, uh, until until Paul brought it up, because I, I just, you know, I'm aware of that relationship, but it just didn't click with me because I pay so little attention to impact for better or for worse. I mean, I'm, I'm um, sure there's an offer on the table for Kenny Omega to come to impact wrestling too. Right. It doesn't mean there's a snowball's chance in freaking hell. It's going to happen, but the right, offer is right. there. <laughs> no, Jericho's a whole different animal though. Cause I mean, Kenny Omega, if he's going to leave new Japan, we all agree. It's going to go to, it's going to be to go to WWE where Jericho's already been there, done that. He's done everything you could possibly do. The only the only way I could see Jericho going to Impact is like you said is to simply help out his friend, yep, Don yep. Callis. Because there's other than that, there's no logical reason why he would do it. Because you got to figure it's one thing to wrestle for New Japan in Japan. That's not going to hurt WWE at all. It's another thing altogether to wrestle for Impact. I mean, and you got to figure Jericho has a lot of money making opportunities in the future with WWE. Not even in an in ring role. You know, eventually he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to have an alumni contract when he's done. Does he want to jeopardize all that and make enemies in WWE to do a one show, a one shot show for New Japan or to wrestle for Impact? You know. You know what I thought was hilarious. Um, do you guys watch NXT very closely? Yes. Did yeah. you, did you see a Fozzie song as the official theme song for TakeOver yeah. Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I did, that was hilarious. Yeah. Like, God bless you, Chris Jericho. God bless right? you. Yeah. Oh, man. He, he just, yeah, I, I mean, he's a genius. There's no doubt in my mind he's a genius. And the funny thing is, is going back every once in a while, whether it's because I'm a masochist or just because it's nostalgia's sake, I'll go back and watch an old episode of Nitro on, on the network. And even seeing the stuff he was doing in like 1996 and 1997, it's just like he was always one step ahead of anybody else that was ever in the ring, in the room, the arena, you know, and, and that's just never stopped being the case. So it, it, the one question that I kind of have in my mind about this matchup though is do they want naito who has the you know the big win over suzuki and winning the belt but other than that you know has not necessarily performed spectacularly since g1 do they want naito losing to jericho um at their you know at this point really looking like their damn near biggest show of the year i mean in some ways the show looks bigger than wrestle kingdom on paper yeah it really does that's a, that's a good point uh naito's really ever since he lost to okada at wrestle kingdom lost a ton of steam uh yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even sure yeah. he's the most over member of lij at this point in watching the best of super juniors hiromu is right? freaking over yeah, oh, yeah, he really is. God, I love Hiromu. <laughs> if Hiromu was another like five inches tall and another 30 pounds heavier, he would be the ace of New Japan right now. I firmly believe that. I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's interesting, too, because Hiromu idolized um, 
Chono growing up, and and I could absolutely see. You're right. If he if he had that size, he would be wanting to fill those type of shoes. Um, and 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 I think could do it handily. Absolutely. Let's let's talk a little bit about Hiromu and the best of the Super Juniors. Of course, ongoing. There's there's one match left, guys, and and all the way around, the way I see it, there's only five guys left who could possibly win this tournament. Uh, let's let's take a look at the A block. Um, of course, the t the two guys still in this thing are Ishimori and Will Osprey. Um, wh where are you guys at? How do you kind of see this thing playing out inside of the A block? Of course, Osprey has to lose, or Osprey has to win. Ishimori has to lose in order for Osprey to win it. Uh, Ishimori, the only match he has left is against Yo. Do you think there's any chance in hell Yo is going to take down Ishimori? Uh, I guess I'll go first. I say no. And the reason is, is my, my prediction when we did our, our preview show for the whole tournament, I had predicted a situation where Ishimori and Will were going to come into the last night and basically almost exactly how it's playing out. So, and I picked Ishimori, so there's no reason for me to change my mind at this point. <laughs> you know, I had Ishimori winning the A block right from the beginning. And, and the, the funny thing is, if you look, I even gave my prediction on point totals. I was off a little bit, but I had Ishimori, Will, and Flip almost all identical at the top of the block. So I'm looking good there. Now, the other block I was a disaster, but... I didn't think Flip Gordon was going to win one match inside of this tournament. I, you know, I thought he'd win one or two, but I had no clue he was going to do as well as he's done. I, I, I am, I mean, good for him, um, but... Yeah, it, it, especially starting off losing to ACH, uh, who I love ACH. And to now look and see that Flip has a better record than ACH, it's just sort of like, oh, man. <laughs> the highlight of the tournament for me has been Angry Tiger Mask. I'm very much enjoying yeah. Angry Tiger Mask. I want to see Angry Tiger Mask and Jushin Liger win the tag titles. I really want nice. to see that. Hell yes. <laughs> There's a guy who I had predicted. I think I had him winning one match or no matches. And then he came out and won his first three. Yeah. Very yeah. much like, like Angry Tiger Mask. From? Yeah. I, I personally yeah. think Osprey is coming out of this block. I have Flip beaten Osprey. Wow. Really? Yeah. I called, I called it when the, before the tournament started. My, my head will explode. I said it's going to come down to the last night. Ishimori is going to win. Flip's going to beat Osprey, and Ishimori wins the block. So I'm sticking with that right to the bitter end. Wow. So I had I had Ishimori winning the block, um, and and I I still think that that's what will happen. But there's been a lot of doubt planted in my mind by how the tournament has played out, mainly because I, I see the way that they have made Osprey look so incredibly strong, um, and I wonder if they'll have him win the block in order to kind of seal that. Um, but if, if anybody could stand to, you know, lose the tournament and still keep, you know, the momentum, it would be Osprey. Um, so I, I, I still think that Ishimori wins this block, but I definitely have my doubts. Um, I mean, does it really matter if Ishimori wins this thing? He already pinned Osprey, so he's basically guaranteed right. a shot at the championship. That's a very good point, and I don't think he's going to win the tournament. I, I think he's going to win this block. I still have Hiromu winning the tournament. I, I, that's just what makes the most sense to me, um, and I, I, I think that Ishimori, like you say, he looks strong enough coming out of the tournament that he doesn't need to win the tournament. Hell, he doesn't even need to win the block, really, uh, but if he drops a match to Yo, then I feel like that's a shock that for shock's sake. That yeah. hurts. Uh, let, let's let's take a quick look at the B block. Uh, there, there's there's yep. three guys in this thing. 
And and I know that sounds crazy, but there's still three guys in this thing. Of course, uh, Hiromu and Kushida are going to collide tonight. I cannot freaking wait to see this match because Hiromu and Kushida last year, while it was not my personal best match of the year, my favorite match of the year was Hiromu Takahashi (laughs) squashing Kushida. That was just (laughs) incredible. Of course, if these two would go to a draw and Marty Skrull wins... Marty wins this thing on points, even though he's lost to both Kushida and Takahashi. Yeah, I, I actually think yeah. Skrull's going to get beat by show. Oh, my God. What is <laughs> wrong with you people? <laughs> well, I think, I, you know, I think that show is without a doubt after this tournament. He's the future. There's, I'm, there's, I'm higher on show than yo. Totally. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that Skrull has performed so well throughout the tournament to the point that he was in a match with the, the Chris Saban match that he had where I even remarked to Paul that, and this is no disrespect to Saban because Saban has been just, I mean, incredible in the tournament as well, wrestling at a different pace for sure, but just doing a great job. Way better than I expected. Yeah. I think way better than anybody expected to be honest with you. But I felt like at one point in that match, Skrull basically took Saban by the hand and said, this is how we're going to do this. And, and it was just, it was an incredible bit. And, and I felt like, you know what? I mean, that guy is, is so damn good um, that if he wins the tournament, I'm not going to be upset about it. I just didn't think that that's the direction that they would be heading, especially after the match with Osprey. And, he, you know, he lost the match with Osprey, which even in spite of the, the friggin' botch was, I mean, just an incredible match. Um, so, so I think that, I think that, Skrull could stand to lose the match. It'll mean a lot to show. It'll it'll help to continue to kind of put show over. He still comes out with a losing record in the tournament, so it's not like you know they made him look like Superman. And it you know again it it, it leaves room for Takahashi um, to to win the block. My my only issue there, and the reason I don't like Skrull losing here is he is going for the Ring of Honor World Championship in just a couple of weeks. Do we really want him losing to? I, yeah, you know, I like cover. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think Marty wins. I mean, I can understand. I can see a scenario where they would want to put show over, but I I think it makes more sense too to have Marty win. So it puts that in play that if Hiromu and Kushida have a draw, neither one of them win. That's like true. If that, too. that match goes after the Marty match, so it's basically a winner take all. Well, that's definitely that match, the main event, right? And yeah, I would think. And if you get to that match and it gets to the 26, 27 minute mark. All of a sudden, you're adding a whole new element of drama into the match. I'm going with Hiromu over Kushida. I am too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that the thing is that you've got two of the best wrestlers on the face of the planet in that match. And they hate and there's each no other. Reason, it, <laughs> and there's no reason not to just let them go. And and I think that, um, that Hiromu wins. And I also think that he ends up winning with the triangle because of the way that they put it over in the tournament so far. Um, which I really like because I think it adds a whole new dimension to a potential matchup with Kushida that he could submit him as opposed to, you know, having to look for the time bomber or whatever. So I, 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 I'm really looking forward to that match without a doubt. So you're both going with an Ishimori versus Takahashi final. Yes. Yeah. I'm going with an Osprey versus Takahashi final. Who do you guys got winning the best of super juniors? Hiromu. Ishimori. <laughs> and I'm going with Osprey. Right. Well, the on. odds are between us. One of us is probably going to get this. One right. of us is going to, unless Marty wins the whole freaking thing, then we're yeah. screwed. Then we're yeah, screwed. Right? 
So uh, I, I want to go back to the Marty thing real quick, actually, with Ring of Honor, if you don't mind, because I, I will say that you bring up an excellent point that, that is fairly obvious, yes, but I think it's even made more excellent by the fact that I think that Marty Skrull has a damn good chance of walking out the Ring of Honor champion. I think he and should. One, I think he should, too. And, I, and, and the one big reason I say that is not a knock on Dalton Castle. It's just that he's so freaking banged up right now. And I, and I just don't think it's, it's right, frankly, to have your belt around a guy's waist who probably needs freaking back surgery. So it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Skrull's super over. It, it, you know, it's a damn shame that, that Castle's so banged up. But, yeah, I, I think it's it's a great idea. And it plays into the whole thing that there's been a little tension tease between him and Cody and the potential for having Cody take the belt into All In. You know, th- there's all sorts of stuff in there that I think works out storyline-wise as well. Well, let's, let's go with uh, option number one. Hiromu Takahashi wins the best of Super Juniors, and then you're left with Hiromu versus Osprey at Dominion. Make your case for Hiromu Takahashi winning the best of Super Juniors. I think that Hiromu uh, has a case right now for being considered the best junior heavyweight wrestler in the world. Um, and, and that's saying a lot considering, you know, Kushida and, and uh, Osprey are in that same company. Um, but I think Hiromu is probably one of the best wrestlers in the world, if not the best uh, junior in the world. Um, and I think that Osprey loses nothing by dropping the belt at this point to Hiromu. He's had a great run with it. He's honestly, in some ways, he's raised the profile of that belt um, in a way that few champions have in the past few years, the past decade, really. Uh, so I, w- I would love to see the title change. I would love to see Hiromu take it all the way into Wrestle Kingdom. Um, you know, with their penchant for doing multi-man matches for the junior belt, I don't think it's far off to see, you know, uh, Hiromu, Ishimori, Osprey, three-way at Wrestle Kingdom for the belt. You could even throw in somebody else, you know, if you wanted to, whether that's Skrull or Kushida or Sho or, or you know, any any number of other guys, frankly. I like it. I like it. Let's, let's, let's make the case for Ishimori to win the Best of Super <laughs> Juniors. All right. Well, I, I think you bring Ishimori back, and the way they brought him back, was with you know they didn't just sneak him in there it was a big reveal you bring him back if you have him win this tournament and beat will osprey it's instant credibility i mean he he has the belt he came in he just destroyed everybody well not destroyed but you know what i mean he ran through the super juniors beats will osprey you automatically now have just added another main event style well quality for the juniors main event star like star right into that mix so now you have osprey who's credible Hiromu, who's credible, Kushida, who's credible, you add Ishimori and Marty, you have so many different options going forward. And I, I just think it makes a lot of sense in one way that you bring him in and, and you put that belt on him, you're showing that this guy's for real. You know, you put him right into a bullet club stable too, which he's, and you got to figure he's going to, going forward, be more associated with the OGs, with the Tongans, because it seems like they're going to, they're saddle him up a little bit next to, uh, uh, what's, uh, Tomatonga. But uh, so he's going to be there full time, too. It's not a situation where Marty's, you know, Marty in the Bullet Club's a Ring of Honor guy who comes over. I mean, you're going to have a full time contracted New Japan wrestler in the Bullet Club now in the junior division. If you put the belt on him and give him a nice little run, it just adds a lot of flexibility going forward. I, of course, am going with Will Ospreay to win the tournament. And the only reason that I'm saying Will Ospreay is going to win this tournament is because he then has the option to name his own challenger. And Rey Mysterio is advertised for Dominion with no opponent. Yeah, this is true. That's that's kind of where I'm going, and that's where I've been since the thing started. 
And I, you know, I think that's a good case. I, 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 I don't want to shoot holes in my own, my own story <laughs> here, but, but I do, I, I do see the logic in, in, in that argument. And, you know, I, I've seen other people with the same one. And I, so I think that it, it, it's a definitely a good possibility. Um, but I also think that there's interesting combinations for Mysterio outside of that. Um, you know, whether it be Liger, um, you know, or, or hell, I mean, anybody really in the, in the division. I mean, I, I would, at this point, I would love to see him take on Skrull. I would love to see him take on Kushida. Um, I mean, hell, I would really love to see him take on Kushida, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can't argue too hard against the idea of Osprey winning so that he can challenge Mysterio. Does Mysterio's opponent necessarily have to be a junior? I mean, can Not we get Rey Mysterio? Can we get Rey Mysterio versus Kota Ibushi? Oh, that'd be dope. I, Kota, I, I, Kota I, I feel has like no that's match. something. But I feel like that's something that you would have announced by now. Yeah, but I'm wondering too. I mean, you have two matches at the top of the card that are going to sell this. It's already sold out. You don't need to announce it. You're not. You're not going to get any more. Like you know what I mean. You're going to get the surprise factor. Or if they announce it right before, you get all those last minute people that were on the fence and maybe they sign up for New Japan World to see it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, I, I I understand what you're saying. Normally, you would announce something like that, but if you you could you could go with the surprise factor to try to drum up some more ticket sales for the show at the Cow Palace too. Right. That's the other thing that I was going to say. With the Cow Palace coming, I, I have to wonder: Do you sell more tickets at the Cow Palace if you have Mysterio Osprey, or do you sell more tickets if you have Mysterio Liger? I think and Mysterio I, and I think, Liger in the United yeah. States. I think Mysterio Liger is the bigger match. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I, again, I can't really argue that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I, Osprey is great, but I just don't feel like Osprey has really. Osprey needs to expand his Western profile, not not just New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like Osprey just feels like such an afterthought over here until yeah. you get into like that diehard wrestling fan market. Well, my yeah. my not like, and I'll say this about Osprey: I love watching Will Osprey matches. But I don't have like, and this is going to sound harsh, but when he's not in the ring, I don't have a lot of use for him. Yep. I don't like his promos. I don't like the way he comes across. He's, uh, you know, like I, I do like the fact that he, like, he challenged Kushida because he wants to show he's the best. But there's just something about his character or whatever the way he presents himself that doesn't click with me. Now I overlook it because when he gets inside the ring, it, he's phenomenal. But I know what you're saying, like especially appealing to a Western market. I don't know, like for me, he, he just doesn't click. He's the exact opposite of Cody Rhodes. Yes. <laughs> like, I only care about Cody until the bell rings. Once the bell rings, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. You know, Osprey's the exact opposite. I don't care until the bell rings. Yeah. Between the two of them, we've got one hell of a superstar. How crazy <laughs> How crazy it was! is it, though, with Cody sometimes that looking back on his days in WWE, that he was probably one of the most interesting guys in the ring in WWE. And then he goes out to where, you know, the land where everybody who has to make their living does it in the ring and not on a mic or, you know, whatever. And, and now, yeah, he's had some good matches. I mean, I thought that his match with Omega um, in ROH was great. I thought that the match with Ibushi was great. So, I mean, he's definitely had some good matches. Yeah, the match with um, Okada at the G1 in America was great. Yeah. Everybody's best it. match is against Kota Ibushi. This is this yeah. is a well-known fact yeah. on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast. Everybody's best match is against Kota Ibushi. Right, which doesn't doesn't that just get you even more excited for the prospect going back to what we first started with for Omega Ibushi at the Dome. Oh my god. Like it just I mean that match is going to be incredible. Title whether it's a title match or not. The Golden Lovers explode. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of sounds dirty. Uh, <laughs> Dude, their, their, their finishing move is called the Golden Shower, for God's sake. I mean, if there was ever a tag team that you could talk dirty about, it's the Golden right? Lovers. That is very true. That is very, very true. And, and, and they might be the only two guys in the world right now that could pull that off and make that whole angle work, the Golden Lovers and the Golden Shower, and not have people chuckle. At, or like, You know what I mean? Like, like, we'll chuckle a little bit, but it's not like a deal breaker. If two other people tried that, we'd be like, what the hell are they doing? Like, what are they well, yeah. calling? You know what I mean? Like, but with these two guys, it just works. You're like, okay. Well, it's not like there's not people that wonder what the hell they're doing. I mean, there are the Jim Cornettes <laughs> of the world. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I, you know, here's the thing. I actually, I love Jim Cornette. I really, I love really do. Jim Cornette. But damn it. Like, when he starts going off on this stuff, it's just, it's so ridiculous to me sometimes. It's like, man... I get it. You worked in the deep South in the seventies and eighties and people, you know, were passionate and threw glass bottles at your head, but it's, it's, you know, it's like, come on, man, come okay, on. Well, <laughs> we, we, we talked about this on our show last week. I'm, I'm going to ask you gentlemen, cause I, you two are definitely further into the Japan wrestling scene than even I am. And I like to think I'm pretty deep. When was that match that Kota Ibushi had in DDT against the blow up doll? How long ago was that? Uh, I mean, that's right like, what, eight, head, nine years ago? Yeah, I, would, yeah. I was going to say eight years right off the top of my head. There's no way, gonna... there's no way that Jim Cornette just saw that for the very first time. My question to you two gentlemen, we saw Jericho and Omega started on Twitter. <laughs> Is Jim Cornette fucking all in? I don't know. Because um, I was just going to say one thing about Cornette. Is if you listen to some of the like he was talking about Starcast, and now you don't know what you can believe and what you can't believe, but he um, talked about how he was invited to participate in Starcast, and he decided not to. He said, "I'm going to go up there and maybe surrounded by people that hate me. They don't agree. like I trash everything they like. Why would I put myself through that? I'm not going to sell out for a buck." But then again, it's pro wrestling. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time we got worked over. Well, but at least at least Cornette, and to me, this is the difference between Cornette and Russo, and I don't want to go on a Vince Russo rant here. Um, <laughs> but to me, the difference is at least Cornette put these guys over, and he said, you know, regardless of how I feel about the talents, what these guys are doing and what they have achieved is incredible and gave them props there. At least Cornette is classy enough to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And I think that, you know, it's interesting because Cornette has had some issues over the past year. I can't I can't remember the specifics now, uh, unfortunately, but I know that he was at like a convention or whatever. And uh, it, there was a bit of a blow up and it got really bad. And he left. And after that, there was, you know, some questions to whether or not he would even be, you know, going or participating in things like that anymore because he just his temperament and 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 you know his interaction with some of the talents with the wrestlers has not been that great. Um, you know, obviously he still loves the fans. He's got the podcast. He's he's super genu- generous and nice in any interaction I've seen him have um, with people, and um, he's liberal as hell, which I love too. Um, but but uh, I, I think that it's 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 fascinating to me um, that he wouldn't be a part of something like All In. Especially with Smoky Mountain Wrestling, because in a lot of ways, what he did in Smoky Mountain is it's so DIY that it's got to be compared to, to what they're doing with All In. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of parallels there. And my God, could you imagine the heat that Jim Cornette would generate? Oh, that would be great. Oh, it would be, it would be, yeah, it would be awesome. Great. The story that I laid out, right? Like, let's just say that for one reason or another, Ghetto can't get into the country. Okay. 
And so, mm-hmm. and so, and so we're doing, we're doing Omega versus Okada for the fifth time rematch for the IWGP championship in North America. And Okada's corner, man, just, he can't get into the country and Okada needs somebody else. Could you imagine the heat if Okada came walking out with Jim Cornette? Oh, it would be the only way that Okada could get treated as a heel in front of a North American audience that knows who Okada is. Oh my God. And then what you, know, you do, then you have Sammy Callahan unannounced show up and just beat the <laughs> shit out of Jim Cornette. <laughs> and then, yes, yes. And then Sammy becomes a huge, a huge baby face, which wouldn't be hard because he's he's pretty much a baby face in Chicago anyway, uh, because A-A-W. A-A-W. Um, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is uh, another one of my loves. I haven't been able to get to a show recently. My wife is pregnant, so there's just been a lot of stuff going on, and um, and I've missed the last two shows, which kind of kills me because I'd seen like every single show for the past year. Um, but if it uh, wasn't like a five hour drive for me. I would be at every AAW show. I think they are hands down the best independent promotion in the country right now yeah did you see the uh the jimmy jacobs promo from last week's show no i haven't you'll have to send that to me yeah you got to check it out it's it's pretty fantastic and and basically puts you know jimmy jacobs right up there with somebody like chris jericho as far as i'm concerned when it comes to genius because it's it's just it's great stuff Um, jimmy jacobs knew he was going to get fired when he took that bullet club selfie he knew it that was his way out I think, yeah, I think it was kind of his way out. I, 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 from what I hear, he was not too happy the last, you know, few months that he was there. So, um, it was a good way for him to get back. And he lives in Chicago. I had no idea that he actually lived in Chicago. I was, I was oblivious to that, but apparently he lives here now. So, um, why does that not surprise me? I could totally see Jimmy Jacobs living in Chicago. That does not surprise me in the slightest for one reason or another. Well, and it's cool, too, because he's working now with Kevin Harvey, who's the uh, executive producer of Rise, um, and now he's basically going to be writing all the TV for them uh, because Rise now has, like, a weekly show that they're doing streaming on um, Rise Ascent, I think is the name of it. So, you know, it's it's just awesome to see him have so many, like, you know, creative fingers out there uh, working with so many different places, and, and I, I, I love the guy. I've been a fan of Jimmy Jacobs for years. Um, ROH did that... Um, from love to hate the Jimmy Jacobs story DVD set. That is probably to this day, still one of my favorite like DVD compilations between the interview with him, all the like, you know, being in love with Lacey promos, all the matches, you know, running the gamut from his early stuff with BJ Whitmer all the way up into like the age of the fall stuff with him and Tyler black, Seth Rollins. And so it's just like, yeah, I, I love that guy, and it's it's cool to see him now, you know, in front of the camera. Even though I knew that he was behind the camera producing stuff, it's just cool to see him in front again, as well as knowing that he's behind in, in other organizations too. The scum story in ROH was one of my oh. favorite storylines in the history of professional wrestling. I just thought that was just masterfully <laughs> yes. done, masterfully done. And every time somebody needs a mouthpiece in the WWE, and they're like, "Who should we give him th- this guy to?" My answer is always Steve Carino. My God, Steve Carino's yeah. in NXT yeah. doing nothing. My God, if, if you want to get somebody over, just make Steve Carino their mouthpiece. Even fucking Roman Reigns. Steve Carino yeah. could get over Roman I, Reigns. Oh, I love Steve Carino. I, one of the benefits of living where I do in Pennsylvania is back in the day, I, I went to uh, Kutztown University. It was basically like a 45-minute drive to the ECW arena. Oh, God. So we used to make the trip down, like I'd say, once a month. So I can't tell you how many times like and they when they brought him in as the king of old school. Oh, tremendous oh, stuff. It was unbelievable the stuff he was doing. And a lot of it too you never saw like never aired. It was just stuff that he was doing in the arena and stuff. It was it was amazing to watch that stuff. 
Now, now yeah, we're going to start yeah. talking about Ring of Honor. I got to stop this thing. I said we were going to go like 15, 20 minutes. Here we are like well, 45 minutes later. We, my wife's sitting out there record. starving to death because I told her that we uh, yeah. need after we were after I was done recording. I told her, oh, yeah, honey, it'll only be 15, 20 minutes. Hour later. Every time we record a show, this is what happens. We sit down and say, okay, we're going to be about an hour and a half. We finish the show. We're like, yeah, we're almost at three hours. My, my, my problem is always uh, I, I, I've noticed the shorter I make the run sheet, the longer the podcast ends up. Like I had three yeah. questions for you guys. <laughs> I, how the hell does that happen? Because I've been writing up formats for Paul and I. And it's like the ones where we, you know, we don't have as much of the format. It's like, yeah, like a three hour podcast. The ones where we've got like, you know, a really long format where you're like two hours and 15 minutes. Like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> See, Huckleberry, uh, it's not just us. It's not just us. <laughs> Not just oh, man. Why don't you, uh, gentlemen, uh, tell people how to find your podcast uh, online and uh, go ahead and pl- plug, promote, whatever else you guys want to put, all- put over here. Sam, you do the honors. You're better with this stuff than I am. Uh, thank you, sir. Well, um, first of all, thank you so very much. This has been awesome. Uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and talk about everything. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at KOPW72. We also have a Facebook King of Pro Wrestling podcast. You can also find us at the uh, website, which is KOPW72.podient.co. Uh, that's got the entire archive of all of our episodes, including those bonus episodes. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just search for King of Pro Wrestling. It's the first thing that comes up, uh, and you'll notice our little uh, our little lion there with his crown. Um, not the lion mark, mind you. We're not infringing on any copyrights. Um, and we're also supported by a kick-ass band called The Hales. Um, they do uh, the intro and outro music for us, so check out The Hales if you get a chance. Um, they're a great band, and, and Paul actually knows them. Um, and then uh, I also have that Quantum Leap podcast, like I mentioned earlier. We're called Fate's Wide Wheel. Uh, so if you have any interest interest in the uh, 80s, 90s television show Quantum Leap. Uh, check us out. Um, but uh, other than that, we're so looking forward to StarCast and All In. And thank you for the opportunity to do this. We we certainly want to reciprocate, have you on the show. Um, and, and I think it's just a great idea to, to get everybody together the way that you have. And, and, and I know that a lot of people have that same sentiment. So thank you so much for having yeah, us on. Yeah, thank you. I know, Sam, just thank you. But I, I wanted to thank you, too. No, Dude, you know what? That, that's my little sound right there. Thank you. It was so funny because when I was talking to you gentlemen on Twitter, I, I thought I was talking to Paul and it turns out I was talking to Sam. <laughs> and this is the second time this has happened to me because when I was talking with uh, Levi, I thought I was talking with Tommy. So now every time I'm just going to be like, hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. Because as soon as I start using names, it turns out I'm talking to the other one and then I just feel like an asshole. Oh, no. And I don't need anybody's help to feel like an asshole. I can do that <laughs> all on my own. You, know, you and me both, brother. Normally when we put stuff on Twitter, it's almost always Sam. And then every once in a while, I'll put something on and not mention it's me. And, you know, so a lot of times you'll see, like, I'll have to put it's Paul if it's an opinion thing. Of course, you can find uh, Hitting the Marks. Well, normally you can find us on Twitter. But, of course, our Twitter has been suspended for uh inexplicable reasons at this point uh, but we'll, we'll get into that on another episode they don't think that i'm 13 evidently that's the problem they don't think that i'm 13 years old i'm damn near fucking 40 oh, all right oh my god that why when we were talking on twitter the other day i got a message you can't you can't direct message this person yep 
Yep. I didn't know. Our I Twitter no, our Twitter <laughs> account has been <laughs> suspended. So, so for anything hitting the marks, go ahead find me across all social media platforms at Not Jargo. Find Huckleberry at the Real RBV. Huckleberry and I will be back in your ear holes this Monday over in the locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com for your Monday locker room with your best of Super Junior results, your Monday Night Raw preview, of course your Tuesday Night Smackdown live preview. Assuming WWE.com gives us one this week. That's it for now. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! I'm